0: Heavenly Father, we're here because of what you've done for us. And, you know, Father, as we've sung this morning, I I hope that the words that we have sung aren't just words, but that we would understand the significance that to worship you means to honor you, to show you your worth. And Father, we recognize our need for you today, and and I, I pray that you would just continue to meet with us. Be at work in our hearts and lives, changing us so that those of us who call you King and Lord, we would represent you well in everything that we do. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. You guys can grab a seat. It is good to see everybody today. It's good to be back. I feel like it's been um, forever since I have been here. Um, And so uh, I'm glad to be back with you this morning. Those of you who are guests with us, either here in the room or watching online, thanks so much Um, for tuning in or joining us today. And if I haven't had a chance to meet you yet, my name is Bill. It's my privilege to serve as the lead pastor here at the table. You know, as we gather together today, I think the reality is that many of us do with heavy hearts. Uh, Certainly heartbroken with what we watched unfold I'm at the Capitol on Wednesday of this week, and I don't know, hopefully everybody got a chance to watch uh, the short video that I put out on Thursday, because I think in these moments we have an incredible opportunity to point people back to Jesus, And, and so we have to remember that we are called to be salt and light, and so it is my encouragement for all of us in conversations that we have in interactions that we have on social media that we remember we are to represent Jesus in everything that we do. And so may his character um, be a guide for all of us. But it's not just that. I mean, I know within our church family, as we are here, there are many who are struggling with COVID. There are those who are worried about family members who are severely struggling with the effects of COVID. There are those within our church family who have lost loved ones and friends this week um, to COVID. And so um, before we get into the message, I I just want to pray for us. I want to pray for our country. I want to pray for us in recognition that and in these moments, with all of these things that are happening, we desperately need God to be at work um, in our world and then, you know, prayerfully that God would work through us as well. Um, so will you join me in, in prayer? Heavenly Father, as we gather together today, we humbly come before you. God, recognizing our our need for you to be at work in this world. Father, where we have seen the the brokenness and division up close and and clear this week, Father, I pray that you would bring unity in our country. That we would be a people who though we may disagree on issues or the solutions to certain problems, but that, Father, we would be able to come together in civility. Father, I pray for our role in these moments. I know, Father, that you have called us, as Jesus said in the Beatitudes, to be peacemakers. And I pray that you would guide us in how to do that. So, Father, Convict us and, and help us to think wisely about the things that we say or posts that we make on social media or comments that we have. May everything that we do be honoring and glorifying to you alone. Father, I know that in our midst are many who, whose hearts are heavy. Worried about loved ones who are Sick, some who are heartbroken over the loss of a family member or a friend. And so, God, for those families, for those people, I pray that you would extend grace and mercy. I think about the promise that we read in the book of Hebrews that says, we can come boldly before your throne and you will give us grace and mercy when we need it the most. And Father, I know that there are many in our body who need grace and mercy. Lord Jesus, thank you for leaving us the Holy Spirit and the gift of peace and comfort that He brings into our lives, and so in these moments, may we feel your presence. Father, with all the things that could be distracting us this morning, I pray that just for a few minutes we would just be able to hear from you. Encourage us, guide us, strengthen us. And it's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. Amen. So today is January the 10th, right? And so if you are a New Year's resolution type person, at this point, hopefully you're still hanging on to that resolution. You haven't quite given up yet. I heard the other day that the most popular New Year's resolution is... Something along the the lines of health and fitness. You know, to work out, get in shape, lose weight, whatever it is. That's the most popular uh, New Year's resolution. And typically, in a typical year, this is obviously an atypical year, but in a typical year, what that usually comes with is a membership to a gym. And outside of just belonging to the YMCA or something like that, there's only been one period in my entire life where I actually belong to a gym. And it was uh, the, while I was in seminary in Dallas, I was able to belong to the Baylor Tom Landry Fitness Center that's associated with Baylor Hospital in downtown Dallas. When you're a student at Dallas Seminary, one of the privileges of that or perks to being a student at Dallas Seminary is that you can, at a highly, highly discounted rate, you can join the Tom Landry Fitness Center. And it is absolutely first class. There's a pool hot tubs, you know, locker rooms, fresh squeezed orange juice for free in the mornings, all the weight equipment that you could ever want, all kinds of different cardiovascular equipment, an indoor track, an outdoor track that goes through a garden area in the middle of downtown Dallas, and then a basketball court. And just so you understand how nice this place was, this is where all the doctors work out. And so when I used to go and work out there, I'm working out with... Uh, brain surgeons, cardiovascular surgeons I mean these guys like are serious and at the time it was the practice facility of the Dallas Mavericks they used to practice there before the American Airlines Center was built and so one day I rode in the elevator with Don Nelson who was the coach of the Mavericks at the time One day in the parking garage, I saw Sean Bradley. If you don't know who Sean Bradley is, he was a center for the Mavericks, seven feet, six inches tall. He's one of the tallest players to ever play in the NBA. And you guys know like parking garages, the ceilings are low in there. Like I swear, he's just walking through and like his head is almost touching the ceiling in this parking garage. So it was great. But I hated going to work out every January. Because every January, you have all of these people show up who decided for their New Year's resolution they were going to start working out. And so, you know, I would go and work out and and there would be no place to park in the parking lot. And I'd go in the weight room and you couldn't get on any weight machine because there's just all these people in there. You go to the Card, the cardio area and there's no machine to get on. It's like all these people. You couldn't get the locker. I couldn't get the locker that I wanted to where I wanted to. And, and, and my thought was this, like we just need to make an announcement and just say to people like over the loudspeaker, hey, if you are here because this is your new year's resolution, please just stay home because you're not going to be here in a month anyway. And I know I'm a horrible human being, but that is what I used to think. But now looking back on that, though, I think, like, why was this the pattern year after year after year? You know, maybe for some people, it was a a lack of discipline. I used to get up at 5 o'clock. I'd be at the gym a little after 5.30. I'll tell you, it's hard to get up that early every single day. So maybe that was part of the problem. Maybe for other people, it was that they just let other priorities take over, and they let that fall away. And I wonder, too, if maybe some people thought, I mean, if I just go a few times, then magically I will reach my goal. Like if I just show up a couple of days, then all of a sudden I, the, the weight will be lost, or I'll be in shape, or, you know, like run a marathon or whatever. And when that didn't happen, they just kind of gave up. If to work out or get in shape or lose weight or whatever that is, you know, that health and fitness goal is the, the most popular New Year's resolution oftentimes something else that's really popular among people is a New Year's resolution related to faith in some way. A lot of times it's, you know, maybe getting back in church or growing in your faith or getting serious about your relationship with God or something like that. And so let me just say from the beginning, if that's the reason that you are here, I think that's a great thing. Or for those of you that are watching online, if that's the reason that you tuned in today, I think that's a great thing. It's very commendable. But yet at the same time, let me kind of set some realistic expectations. Because if you think that watching a couple of services or being a part of a couple of services, and all of a sudden your life is dramatically going to change, listen, God can do whatever he wants, so it might happen, but at the same time, it might not too. And I will tell you this. Like if your goal is to be a regular part of church, I will tell you there are going to be things within the next couple of weeks that will come up that could keep you from being here or watching a service. There's going to be Sunday mornings where you think, man, I just don't want to get out of bed today. Let me tell you this. If though all of those things can happen, if you do what you do, feel like you need to do, in order to grow in your faith, Over it may not happen overnight, but over a longer period of time, I absolutely 100% believe that God will do something significant in your life, and he'll change you. This is the third week of our series that we've called The Early Years, where we're looking at, Kind of the early life of Jesus in Luke's gospel, Luke's life story of Jesus. We started off the first week a couple of weeks ago when we were just online, uh, and and I talked a little bit about the introduction to Luke's gospel, so talking about who Luke was and why we can trust what he said about Jesus. Last week, we talked a little bit about who Jesus is, and we, we talked about how Jesus is real. He's not like superman He didn't just show up out of nowhere. Uh, at the same time, that, so the stories about Jesus, the things that we read about Jesus, they're not myth or legend, but we can trust them. Not only that, but Jesus lived in a really complicated world, and he came to turn that world upside down in his life and through his death. Now, for some of you, maybe you watched that message last week. And as we talked a little bit about who Jesus was, maybe you thought, man, like that's really interesting. I'm, I'm interested to find out more about that Jesus because it's maybe a little bit different than what you thought or what you had heard previously. For some of you who maybe your New Year's resolution is to get serious about faith or grow in your faith or something like that, maybe you're thinking, okay, like you've got me. I'm here. What do I do now? Where do I go from here? And that's what I want to talk about today. I'm to talk about where we go from here. And I'll, let me say this as an encouragement to all of us, is at this point, let's put aside all that we think we know or the things that we have heard about Jesus. Now, that doesn't mean, I don't say that to, to, to say that everything you believe about Jesus is wrong or bad. I mean, if you're a regular part of our church, I hope that you've heard some really good things about Jesus. And that foundation is really good. But yet at the same time, I think it's it's helpful for us all at some some points to kind of put aside the things that we think and take a fresh look at what the Bible says about who Jesus is. And so I want us to, to begin to do that over the next several weeks together. And so for those of you who are thinking, okay, I'm here, you got me, what now? I'm going to give you two things. Number one, embrace who Jesus is and learn from his example. The passage that we're going to look at today is Luke chapter 2, verses 41 through 52. So if you've got a Bible, you can turn there. Luke chapter 2, verses 41 through 52. I'll read that in just a second. But if you don't have a Bible, it'll be on the screen as I read it. Or if you've got the YouVersion Bible app. Uh, On your smartphone, you can navigate your way to our live event. So, when you open it up at the lower right hand corner, there's more. You hit more, and then you'll see um, events, I think is what it says. And and you'll click that button, and you'll see our live event there. Luke's gospel is interesting in that it covers more of the early life of Jesus than any of the other gospels. It's Luke's life story of Jesus, where we read about Jesus' birth and the stable and the manger and all those kinds of things. And it's also in Luke's gospel where we read the one event about Jesus's childhood. And that's what we're going to look at today. So let me read this section, Luke chapter 2, starting in verse 41. Now, his parents went to Jerusalem every year at the feast of the Passover. And when he was 12 years old, they went up according to custom. And when the feast was ended, as they were returning, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem. His parents didn't know it. But supposing him to be... and men. I am curious to know, parents, how many of you have lost your children or your child at some point? I don't mean like lost them, like you had to call the police and look for them and stuff like that, because hopefully that hasn't happened to any of us. But yet at the same time, probably for most of us, if not all of us, there has been that split second where we wondered, where did they go? I can remember when Nathan was small, maybe three or four years old, and I had taken him with me to Academy. I remember specifically it was Academy because of the way that the clothes are laid out in the store. And so I had been looking for something, probably searching for my size in something, and you know, was digging through there, find what I was looking for, turned around, and Nathan was gone. And so for like a split second, all of these thoughts go through my mind, like, where did he go? What happened? What am I going to do? What am I going to tell Mandy? I can't tell Mandy. She's going to kill me. This is literally the last day of my existence on earth, right? All of these things are happening, and I am a calm person. But yet at the same time, for a couple of seconds, my insides are just churning. Turned out it wasn't a big deal. He was literally just a couple of feet from me, but what had happened was, you know, in academy, they have some of those round racks. He just climbed inside of the rack, and I couldn't see him. The reason that I bring that experience up is to say, I think about that when I think about the experience of Mary and Joseph in this event with Jesus, because they had lost Jesus. Now, I want to tell you, it's probably not as bad as it might seem on the surface. I don't think that we should put Mary and Joseph on the list of the worst parents who have ever lived. Let me kind of explain what's happening. I said at the very beginning that Jesus' family, his parents went to Jerusalem at the Feast of the Passover. This was one of three religious festivals that happened in Jerusalem that people from throughout Israel would travel back to Jerusalem to be a part of. Mary and Joseph and Jesus, they lived in Nazareth, which was in the north northern part of Israel. Jerusalem was in the south. The journey from Nazareth to Jerusalem usually took a couple of days because the only mode of transportation is walking. So it just took a while. And typically, because there were so many people that were traveling back to Jerusalem, you traveled in large groups. Most of the time, those people, because I mean, just the way small towns worked, the people that you traveled with most likely were extended relatives. And so that was the, the case here, that Mary and Joseph and Jesus traveled with a larger group of people. And a lot of times what happened when they were traveling is the guys ended up kind of walking together and then the women and children walked together as well. Sometimes the men would walk out in front maybe as far as a quarter mile or a half a mile. And so you can see how easily it would be for Joseph to not see Jesus but just assume he was with Mary and Mary to not see Jesus and as a 12-year-old boy assume that maybe he's transitioned to walking with the men now. But when they got to the place where they were going to stop for the night, they realized Jesus wasn't with either one of them, nor was he with anybody else who was a part of the traveling party. And so then they went back to Jerusalem to find him. And it says that they, it took three days. They searched for Jesus for three days. And it's probably, again, not quite as long as we think. Most people believe it's kind of thinking this way. It's one day out, one day back, and they found him early on the third day. And so they found Jesus in the temple, surrounded by all these teachers and having this conversation. They're talking back and forth about the Old Testament law and the significance of it and all of these things. And it's Mary who speaks up to Jesus and says, why did you do this to us? You about caused us to have a heart attack. Like how many of your parents ever said something to you like that? That's exactly what Mary says to Jesus. And he says, but you should have known that I needed to be in my Father's house. And so with that event, you know, something that I think we need to ask about this passage of Scripture, and the reality is we need to ask this of every passage of Scripture that we look at, because it's always applicable to us. But the question that we need to ask is, well, what does this have to do with me? Because Scripture is universally applicable, and the question is, How should I think? How should I feel? Or what should I do as a result of what I read? And so I want us to think through that with this childhood story of Jesus. Now remember what I said is if your New Year's resolution was something about getting back in church, getting serious about your faith or whatever, here we are. Now what's next? You've got me. What do we do now? Embrace who Jesus is and learn from his example. And this passage of scripture helps us to see something about Jesus's identity. And I can't stress how important this is, because everything in our faith rests on our understanding of who Jesus is. We talked a little bit about this in the message last week, for those of you that were able to watch it. But Jesus is fully God and fully man. And so to really understand that statement, we've got to, Look at Jesus' math just a little bit, which Jesus' math is a little bit different. See, typically, in according to math and science, when you have 100% of something that is made up of different elements, those different elements have to be less than 100% so that together you add them together and they equal 100%. Of something, right? So the individual elements that make up a whole must be less than 100%. That's just the way it works. It can be 99% something and 1% something else. It can be 50-50, but those elements cannot on their own. You can't have over 100% of something. That doesn't make sense. Again, Jesus' math is different because Jesus is 100% human and 100% divine, and that makes up 100% Of who Jesus is. Again, I'll say it again. Jesus is 100% human and 100% divine, and that makes up 100% of who Jesus is. This passage leads us in some places to that understanding of Jesus. First, Jesus is fully human. Notice that it said at the very beginning now his parents went to Jerusalem. Later it says, when his parents found them. And then Mary says, look at what you did to your father and me. And so just the reference is viewing Jesus as a normal child. Now, does that prove that Jesus is 100% human? No, not necessarily, not completely. But yet at the same time, I think that the level of concern that Mary and Joseph had for Jesus in this moment, they viewed him as any parent would view a normal child. Notice that it didn't say that Mary went to Jesus and said, hey, we just didn't know what you were planning to do. Like if you were going to come back with us or just teleport yourself back home when you were ready. She didn't say that. She was concerned for his well-being. She also didn't say, hey, Jesus, no, I wasn't worried about you because I know all about the angels who watch over you all the time, so I wasn't really worried. She didn't say that. She was concerned. She said, do you know the level of distress that you have caused us because you weren't with us? Now, again, does that prove that Jesus was 100% human? No. But where's the evidence taking us? Because not only is Jesus 100% human, at the same time you see something different about him, he's also 100% divine. Some of this shows up in Jesus' answer. So when Mary says, hey, like, what's happening? Why did you do this to us? And he says, you should have known that I must be in my father's house. And so Jesus, talking about his relationship to God in a different way than anyone else would have talked about that relationship. And then you see in the conversation that Jesus is having with these teachers of the law, they were astonished at his answers so they recognize there's something different about him now again does this prove 100% that Jesus is fully God in this moment no but understand the reason that Luke is including this event in his life story of Jesus is to begin to lay the groundwork to prove that Jesus is 100% human and 100% divine and that is a 100% Of who Jesus is. Now, some of you might be thinking, though, well, wait a minute, like, where does this 100 100 come from? Could it be any other way? Make sense of this for me. Well, where did it come from? I think the reality is that this became a core belief about the identity of Jesus through church history. Now, in saying that, I don't mean that there was ever a time where People thought that the, this wasn't true about Jesus. The church always thought Jesus was fully God and fully man, but it became to be a clear core doctrine. There can be no other way to view this throughout the history of the church, because as that belief was challenged, it became something that was like, okay, this, no, it has to be this way. So what I mean is there was a time when somebody came up and said, you know what, I know this is kind of what we believe, but... I don't think Jesus was really human, looked a lot like a human, acted a lot like a human, but not quite a human. And so then the early church, the leaders of the early church gathered together, they began talking about it, examining scripture again, and they said, you know what? No, that's not true. And that's not something that we can believe because of what the word of God teaches. And so then somebody else later would come along and say, man, you know what? Jesus wasn't always divine. He wasn't always God. He became God at some point. And so, again, the church leaders, they would gather together, studied Scripture. Like, what does it actually say? Is it possible to believe something different than what we've been saying? And they said, no, that Jesus is 100% human and 100% divine, and that makes up 100% of who Jesus is. In fact, we read in the Chalcedonian Creed in the early church, they made these statements, a creed, just like a statement of core belief. And so that we have several of these um, that have existed from well within the, 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 the first 1,000 years, uh, 1,000 years AD. And so in the Chalcedonian Creed, it says very clearly that Jesus is fully God and fully man. Now, how do we make sense out of this? I'll just be really honest and say, I don't know that I can. I don't understand how 100% plus 100% equals 100%. But I believe that Scripture absolutely affirms that it could not be any other way. So here's what I would encourage us to do just embrace the mystery. So often, I think we want the Bible and then the way that God works to fit into some nice little formula. I know I do. But more and more as I try to find the formula, even though it may be really complicated, I, more and more I'm convinced that there is not a formula that God simply allows us to enter into. He invites us into a mystery. And when you think about it, it is incredibly mysterious how God, who is the creator of the universe and beyond anything that we could ever imagine, invites us into a relationship with Himself that can only happen by faith in His Son, who is fully divine and fully human, who laid down His life for us. And He is fully human and fully divine in our perfect sacrifice, and it could not be any other way. He's fully human equal to us, so that he understands what it is like to be us. He can sympathize with our weaknesses, but yet at the same time, he is fully God and equal with the Father in every way so that when he laid down his life, he satisfied the punishment that was meant for us. So as we think about those next steps, like where do we go from here? Embrace the mystery of who Jesus is and then follow his example. And We see a few things in this passage that I think we should learn from. As you think about, maybe your goal is to kind of be in church regularly. I will tell you, you won't have to work real hard to find somebody who says, you know what, you don't have to go to church to be a Christian. And you might come to me and say, Bill, is that true? Is it true that you don't have to go to church to be a Christian? As much as I would like to give you a different answer, reluctantly, I would say, yes. That is true. You don't have to go to church to be a Christian, but that is not the way that God meant it. God never meant for us to relate to him in isolation from other people, but we're meant to do it together. And we see some of that in the example of Jesus. It actually shows up with his parents because it says in verse 41, Now his parents went to Jerusalem every year at the Feast of the Passover. So this was something that Mary and Joseph instilled in Jesus' life, and then he continued to practice throughout his life. We see it in his ministry. He always went to Jerusalem for these feasts. So those times when Jews gathered together to worship God and to remember the things that God had done for his people, Israel, Jesus was always there. Now, did you have to go back to Jerusalem to be Jewish? No. No. You didn't. You didn't stop being Jewish because you missed one of the festivals. But yet at the same time, you went because this is who you were. Why would you not go and celebrate the goodness of God and the grace of God? And it was transformative for all those people who gathered together. Now, I know we are in a crazy situation right now. And for those of you that are just watching online, and the reason that you haven't been with us maybe for the last several months is because you're being cautious about your health. Listen, I understand that. But at the same time, hopefully at some point this year as things get back to normal, we can't substitute watching a service for gathering together with people because I still think there's something special about gathering together. There's something transformative about gathering together. It helps us to know that we're not in this struggle alone and that together we're going to try to figure out what it means to live for Jesus in this crazy world. And it shows that you're serious about your faith. So it's the first thing I look at Jesus. Okay, we've got to prioritize gathering together in some way. The second thing that I see in Jesus... His example for us is that we need to look for opportunities to grow and ask questions. I mean, that was the reason that Jesus didn't go back with his parents to Nazareth and stay behind. Because he wanted to learn and grow and ask questions. And we see Jesus who is gathered together. Mary and Joseph, they found him with all these teachers around him. And sometimes people get the idea that it was Jesus who was doing the teaching. I don't think that that was the case. I think it was Jesus in the posture of a student learning from these teachers. And was he asking questions? Was he asking hard questions? I think so. Was he pushing back on answers that he would get sometimes? I think so. But the posture of Jesus in that moment was that of a student who was looking to learn and grow. See, at some point, I think we have to move beyond Sunday morning and look for opportunities to to grow where we can ask questions. We, at this time last year, we launched what we refer to as the table pathway. It's the stages of growth. Uh, As a follower of Christ, we've just kind of labeled them a little bit. And so we say that those four stages are explore, grow, build, and multiply. And kind of today we're talking about those, or maybe the message is more directed to those who are kind of exploring faith a little bit and things like that. But at some point, again, we have to move beyond Sunday morning and look for opportunities to grow where we can ask questions. The reason being, like, it would be super weird if you raise your hand right now and try to ask me a question. I don't know what I would do if you did that. Try to ignore you and look you know, in the opposite direction. Now, having said that, though, if you ever have questions about anything that I say or is said from this platform on a Sunday morning, I want you to ask, just not in the middle of a service. So send me an email because I I don't want you to be confused or have questions about anything we say. But yet at the same time, we have environments that are more conducive to you asking questions where there can be give and take. This communication is very one-sided. You just sit and listen. So for those of you that are new, I want to let you know about something that's getting ready to start on Wednesday evenings in February. It's what we call formed. Most of the time when we talk about formed, we talk about how, you know, it's for those people who are newer to the church and are ready to get more plugged in, looking for next steps. Or those of you that are interested in partnership at the table. And if you're not familiar with our language, but you are familiar with some church language, think membership. And so a lot of times, my fear is that when we say that, people think, well, I don't need that. But I want you to know, it has nothing to do, what we talk about Informed has nothing to do with how you get to be a part of our club. It has everything to do with growth as a follower of Jesus. Because the only things that we talk about is what God wants to do in you and through you, and we talk a little bit about how it works As we gather together. And so, if you are looking for a place to grow and ask questions, that's a great place for you to start. And so, we'll get the registration link out to you. You can sign up to be a part of that. We'll do it live uh, on Wednesdays in person from 7 to 8. We'll also do that online for those that aren't able to be here for us. And actually, I'm thinking we'll probably even record that, um, and so I can send out the videos if you have another priority on Wednesday nights but really want to to be a part of, of that experience. So let me say this as we get finished. If you begin to make these priority changes, it's likely that some people around you will not understand why. If you really make spiritual growth a priority and you begin to prioritize some of these things a little bit differently than maybe the way that you've lived your life, other people around you will be like, what are you doing that doesn't make sense? Notice that it says here that Mary and Joseph didn't understand why Jesus was doing what he was doing. Even they didn't understand. And so people will be like, look, I don't get what you're doing. And that's okay. Hang in there. So as we think about where we go from here, your life, listen, God can do whatever he wants. And if you show up once, your life may be radically changed forever. But it may not happen that way. But over a long period of time, as you discipline yourself to embrace the mystery of who Jesus is, and with everything that you do, you learn from his example and you begin to live that out, God will do a significant work in your life. Just hang in there and don't give up. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we recognize our need for you. And for those of us who are thinking about, growth, spiritual growth, getting serious about church or whatever it is as a goal for this year, Father, we need your help. We, we need your Holy Spirit to teach us and guide us. May we embrace the mystery of who Jesus is and learn from his example so that in everything that we do, our lives look more and more like his. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. And obviously, they, I went so long on my first day back for like a month That uh, we're just canceling the last song, which I think is rude. So, go, Wayne. That
1: Um, that he is a little out of practice, and so he went a little bit longer than normal. Or maybe he just had so much to say. But thank you guys so much for being here uh, with us this morning, whether you're watching online or here uh, in the room today. Um, Before we leave, I I do want to just encourage us, for those of us who are partners or the table is our home, that we can continue to worship in how we give. Uh, because you guys give, we get an opportunity um, to, to do a lot of different things here. I know I'm thankful for your hearts and your minds to, to do so. Um, and so as you leave, there's places in the back um, where you can give or you can visit, visit our website, thetablecc.com. Um, and, and really just know this. Uh, we appreciate the heart to partner with us in the ministry that God has called us to here uh, in our community and around the world. Uh, a couple of other things before we go. Bill mentioned uh, a forum that's going to get started here uh, in February, but we also have uh, some different things. We have small groups that will happen and uh, one in particular called a Reengage, which is our, our marriage ministry uh, group. And, and those things will happen in February as well. And so uh, you can visit our website or you can uh, stop by in the lobby and ask us more questions on those things. Uh, But with nothing else, you guys are dismissed. Have a great rest of your day. Hopefully it snows, um, but I don't know.